welcome to The Confessional. I'm Mike Moran. Tell us your deepest, your creepiest, your funniest. Confess to us. No one's listening. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Confessional Podcast. My name is Mike Moran, and I am joined, as always, by my trusty producer, Mr. Jimmy Seleski. Jimmy, how are you? I'm doing well, Mike. How's uh, Live from the Studio podcast treating you? It's going well. Uh, We finally got the equipment running up to uh, a doable degree, so I was telling you a little bit before the podcast, we're putting out full episodes on YouTube, uh, along with three, four clips a week, which awesome. has really been driving up traffic. We've we've raised our views by 400% this week. Whoa. We went from uh, five so views one average. To f- one to four. Yes. <laughs> and, not, and that's not a joke. That's not bad. <laughs> that is not <laughs> a comic embellishment. Hey, I'm fine with that. Uh, Jimmy. Yes. Uh, guest co-hosting this week. Mm-hmm. We have one of, one of our favorite people here at The Confessional. Just one amazing artist who... Of course, moved away from Baltimore because everybody good does. Yes, yes. Uh, our, our good friend, Christine Ferreira. Christine, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're doing pretty good. Uh, Christine, today we will be discussing... What are we discussing? We're discussing... Uh, mental health That's comedy. right. <laughs> mental health and comedy. And... Christine, you're not going to believe the guest we got for this. This gentleman, also like Christine, uh, left Baltimore uh, because he's extremely talented and very funny, and we all miss him here, and I miss performing with him. He's a great guy. He's now, uh, he does some stuff with Adult Swim. He directs music videos. He's directed the videos for Dan Deacon and Y Oak, and, he, and he's still with the, uh, the Wham City. And he does all sorts of great, wonderful, creative stuff. We have Ben O'Brien today. Ben? Hello. Uh, excited to be here. How are you, buddy? <laughs> I, I'm good. Thank you for the, that uh, very kind intro. And I, I miss you terribly. I miss uh, Baltimore every now and then. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I'm excited, excited to be here good. talking to the man himself, Mike Moran. Yeah. Mike Moran, the man. You should be excited. Um, so <laughs> good throat clear, Ben, j- just in case I didn't cover all the, all the territory, just, just tell us all the things, things you're doing and the, and the things you want to promote. And, and if you want to compliment yeah, me well, again, sure. Uh, basically I run a Mike Rand fan webpage that's really taken off. Um, no, I, uh, I like, I like so many it was taken people, off the uh, internet. Yeah. Yeah, it was taken. It was taken off. It was removed from the internet. Yeah. Unfortunately, they can do that now. Um, so I, uh, I like many, had had uh, almost everything I was doing wiped out by the pandemic in a very, very upsetting way. Oh, I'm sorry, but uh, it's okay. But I, I am, I am still these days. I'm working with Audible a lot, directing some. Um, 
some originals. I'm working with Twitch, both Amazon companies, by the way. So, you know, just get out there, support Amazon. They're really, they need they're it. really doing terrible during the pandemic. Yeah. We got to support small um, businesses But basically like it's that. because I look like Jeff Bezos that they're, that they just can't get <laughs> enough of me. Wait, wait, back, um, back no, up here with, they, with Audible. What are you doing with them? I direct uh, and produce some of their original audiobooks. So they, they're into the original. How do you direct an so audiobook? Well, here, well, that's a great question, Mike, and uh, allow me to expand. So I, uh, uh, the way that I, well, hi, hello, everybody, and welcome to my podcast. I'm Ben, and today I'm going to describe how to uh, direct an audiobook. So basically, this is the thing people don't know. I call, they, they call them original audiobooks, but that just doesn't make any sense. They're just like audio fiction series so it's just act it's like actors acting you know it's like a tv show like like a radio show (laughs) yeah it's a draw it's an audio drama you have like coconuts to do the horse trot not i wish but not live uh that would be that would be the dream um but basically it's 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 for me it's actually been my favorite thing ever because it it really boils down what i love about filmmaking and directing all this stuff into just being able to focus on actor performances and how they sound. So I just sit in a room with the actors and they do their performances and I close my eyes the whole time (laughs) and I just listen to their performance and then I just give them some notes. That's actually really freaking cool, man. Yeah. It's really fun and I want to keep doing it. That's one one uh, step away from directing a movie, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's it is well, I kind of consider it even a better. It's more pure because oh, sure. I don't even have to look at anything. But uh, I, I, uh, so but the one good thing that happened this year um, is that uh, while everything got canceled and taken away in the uh, an audiobook that I directed about a year ago is, is has been number two on Audible for like three months. It's called wow. See in the Sky. No way. Yeah. So yeah, it's doing really, really good. So. Um, Check that out. A sea in the sky. It's just. It's you know what. It, uh, me and my group's known for some really weird. Isn't that called out a cloud? Stuff. It's real out there. But this is not weird and out there. This is a beautiful story about two astronauts going into space and uh, searching in an ocean on one of Saturn's moons. So, wow. Um, so well, check that out. I didn't write it. it I just directed it. But I'm very proud. Of I got to tell I you. Did. I got to tell you, buddy, you worked really hard to get where you are, and Baltimore is proud of you to see somebody doing Thank so well, you. and I guarantee you, Christine is going to do the same thing in Chicago. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> also, I just want to mention that that is makes me really happy and makes a lot of sense because I think one in your comedy, one of the, your strongest elements is your voice. Mm-hmm. Like the way you use your voice to maximum effect in your performance. Thank you. Performance. That's a yeah. wonderful Absolutely. I do love delivery. I love to think about how things are delivered and how it like can make the, the difference for a joke. You know, it's so much of, so much of writing is delivery, but yeah, I'm, obs- I'm kind of obsessed with the quality of people's voices these days. Like if you really think about it, like a lot of actors, like, you think that it's they're beautiful or they're you know charismatic and that's a huge part of it but if you close your eyes and listen to their voice they almost like 99% of the time like an actor will have this very compelling right. very yeah. textural voice mm-hmm. that's really like that really like um is vivid in your mind like if you hear that voice you get a picture of someone mm-hmm. and that's kind of the trick to 
I think good voice acting is is to be able to portray a character through just the sound of your voice. Interesting. But you know what? That's not why we're here. To, that's not why we're here today. Okay, oh, we're well, here today. Excuse me. To do some other stuff. So all right. <laughs> Apparently, Ben's in charge. Adult Swim and Sorry, Audible my, isn't host, enough. Uh, He's got to take over the confessional as well. A, a stream, so I can't turn off my hosting. Uh, All right. Well, thing. the boss. So I was, I was actually spoken. there wrangling myself. I'm getting, I getting self conscious that I'm talking too much. So. No, you're not. But, um, uh, but yeah. Anyway, well, I'm great. Uh, good. Check me out. Where can we find you? You find me anywhere, really. I mean, uh, uh, Ben F. O'Brien everywhere. But I'm, I'm, I'm really just kidding. Let's, let's. Hey, Mike, take it away. <laughs> All right, thank you, Ben. Now back to Mike of sports. <laughs> um, Christine, <clears throat> comedy and mental health. What, what can you tell me? What's the relationship between those two things for you? Huh. Um. Well. I think that um, one thing I've noticed over the years is that, and that is interesting during the pandemic because there's very, I'm going to say very little performance. I mean, live performance. There really shouldn't be any, but there has been a little. Mm -hmm. um, is the, the, the first thing I noticed was like, kind of what happened to me in my own brain. And then a lot of people I know when all of a sudden performing and doing stand up mm -hmm. and going to mics and whatnot was not a possibility. Mm -hmm. And um, because I think there is this sort of mistaken no notion that like, well, there's that saying like comedy is the best medicine. Ooh, I mean, which is sort of like, or laughter is the best mm -hmm. medicine. Okay, mm -hmm. that's true. But I think a lot of people interpret that as like doing comedy is kind of like my therapy. Right, right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's like, oh boy, you know what I mean? Like, and I think I did that a little bit too because so I moved here a little over a year ago, and the first, of course, the first thing I did, I don't know anybody in Chicago where I didn't actually. I moved here just. I, the same exact day that almost everybody I knew in Chicago moved to LA. So <laughs> literally the same fun. day. But, um, like, literally, well, there was one group and then there was another group, but yeah, it was October 1st of 2019. Just of the people that I knew, I didn't really know too many comedians in this town uh -huh. and the ones I did all moved to LA. So, the, so there was that, but then there was, so I started going to Mike's, and I just kind of, and for me, it's like, well, last time I talked to you, we talked about social anxiety, which I have like struggled with profoundly mm. over my whole life. Sure. So, and then I think I was, I mentioned to you last time I was here that being back in the place where I grew up, which is when I had the worst, the most chronic social anxiety mm. um, until I was about 18 and left for college. And in high school, my name was Mute Girls. So that gives you a idea oh, of <laughs> my level of anxiety about, uh, uh, you know, just acute shyness. So, so being back in the place where I grew up was triggering all that for me real hard. And I was forcing myself to go out to mics and then just 
I mean, sometimes I would just be almost on the verge of tears. Mm -hmm. And a couple of times I almost left. And actually, one of the times, Ben, was Sarah was running the mic. And just as I was about to have like a nervous breakdown, she just grabbed me and was like, oh, I'll I'll put you on, you know. And it was so sweet. (laughs) I know. Like she probably has no idea that she kind of saved me from this panic attack. But the point is, is that um, there's... And then once you're in the groove of performing a lot, it's almost the opposite. It's like if you don't perform, I mean, I don't want to say it's an addiction, but it's like you just you crave it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It's like you get something from it that you only get from live performance that um, you start kind of jonesing for it. And so then when the shutdown happened, it was just like, oh, my God. And I think I went through sort of a version of some kind of withdrawal and um, for like maybe a couple months. And then once I started acclimating to it, I just started, you know, of course, probably like a lot of people just doing other things like writing and, um, you know, all kinds of other things, just making, actually I started painting for the first time in 10 years. I used to be, I was a painter for most of my art career. Did your your hero George W. inspired you? Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) what he's done for the genre. Right. Um, No, but I, but anyway, so it's, for me, it's been like this whole exploration of my own mental illness and relationship to comedy and particularly to performing. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm sure a lot of people have talked about this on a lot of podcasts, but anyway, that's just my two senses. Just the remembering that the comedy, performing at open mics or live comedy should not be my therapy. Like I need, like therapy should be my therapy. <laughs> <laughs> therapy should be your therapy. Right, yeah. Therapy I find is the best therapy. And actually I found a really great therapist. So um, yeah. It's like anyway. medicine is the best medicine. I know. <laughs> yeah, penicillin. I, I feel like is is a few yeah. notches above stand up. I'm gonna say is the second best medicine. Right. Second yeah. only. Yeah. To medicine. Yeah. And then third That's is when, heroin. When you yeah. heroin number three. <laughs> when you deliver, when you help out a third world country, you want to bring penicillin and uh, a couple stand ups. You know. Yes. Plenty of laughter. Well, speaking of which, have you heard of Clowns Without Borders? No, that no. sounds awesome though. Yeah, they do. Um, they inject a lot of laughter medicine into third world situations. <laughs> That's cool. Huh? I mean, you know, someone's got to be doing it. Right. right. All right. Uh, let's let's uh, read a confession here. This is from um, Amy Solam Gibbs from Nashville, Tennessee. She said, when I was doing comedy, getting on stage, good or bad, helped me and bookings forced me to get out of bed. I quit comedy to stay home. Uh, with my three-year-old son now. Mm. Um, so booking. Well, I couldn't hear the beginning part of that. What was that? She, uh, when she was doing comedy, she no longer does comedy, but when she did, uh, getting on mm. stage, good or bad, helped me, and, and bookings forced me to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. So I guess what she's saying is uh, it makes you do something once you're signed up, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, comedy is, is basically like a 
big group of mentally ill people performing for a, another group of mentally ill people. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that just art in general? I mean, is it like... Yeah, but I mean, I think especially with comedy, because like what, what Christine is saying, it's like there's this, it's a social, it's very social, it's extremely social, but it's also very personal. Right. And like, it's very solo. Like, it's me and the stuff that I wrote, and it's this controlled setting where I can like do my thing. And then it's like, and then people also want to laugh and be there because they need, because it does, it gives you something, gives you a connection to something that you can just kind of jump into. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know what I mean? It's just kind of like, it does create, like, I think, and, and it does rely on a very supportive community, I feel like to, to thrive. So it, 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 I think, you know, I don't know. I mean, not just being a funny person, when you're a person who focuses so much on on one aspect of your personality or just like humor and and like you're clear you're, you've clearly learned that from from something you know what i mean like you it's a, such a survival mechanism or a defense mechanism already that it's like you know it's just it's a it's a it's a wild group of people it's a fun bunch right and i think that it's it is a lot of uh a lot of anxiety depression sure you know, a sure. lot of narcissism, a lot of just a lot of different <laughs> stuff. And you're right; it's in every it's in every artistic group. Not not to bash comedy only, but if we're talking about mental it, health and comedy, I mean, see this this is the thing is like I I can't tell how mentally uh, ill the rest of the world is because every is it just my it's probably just my circle, but everyone I know has something going on. Absolutely. Everybody's 100%. bipolar or has depression or has PTSD or OCD. Yeah. It, it, it's is that do you think that's mainly because I'm around artists? Definitely a little bit. I also think it's because artists are more uh artists and artsy people are more like um aware of their, you know, and able to like talk about it mm -hmm. versus mm -hmm you know, like, uh, uh, other circles where it's probably more, um, I don't know, like people don't talk about it as much or aren't as aware of themselves, especially with comedy. It's like people mine their insecurities for humor. Right. Right. And they're, what they see is their faults or what they, how they see themselves. You yeah. Know? It's like, we're constant. It's, it's constant self-awareness. Sure. It's like, and I feel like that's part of the coping thing that, uh, or the like, tr the therapy thing that Christine is talking about. Where I feel like you have social anxiety. It's right. like if you go up, and even if you do okay, there's still this kind of feeling of like I survived. Absolutely, I'm okay. absolutely. I looked. At, I said all this stuff it's in just front of people. And ultimate they exposure therapy. <laughs> yeah. Is yeah, yeah. So do you str struggle with social anxiety as well, Ben? De definitely. Um, I'm kind of like, I, I feel like, like I'm a day walker or like, you know, half in one world and half in the other where I feel like sometimes I'm like, I struggle really, really hard and sometimes not at all. Right. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah. it just, it really just depends, but it's like, I've yeah. dealt with generalized anxiety for years and years where like I'm at, I'm at an anxiety level of like seven or eight and it just, but it just lasts for like three months straight Wow, <laughs> and wow. it never stops. You know, it's like, uh -huh. that's, that's what I, I, I'm not as, I don't have that. I struggle more with depression now that I'm in, you know, past my mid thirties. I feel like that's the new thing. It's like, <laughs> I'm settling down. I, I don't need to like push myself so much anymore. And so, so I'm like relaxing a little bit more and now like, I'm just like, okay, cool. Social anxiety is grow life, up. Life, 
Yeah. <laughs> Anxiety was kind of my reason for living. And now I've let it go and now I'm depressed. Yeah. So, I, no, I, I, I do you know. feel more relaxed as I get older. But how would you two say that uh, your social anxiety has changed since you started performing? Christine? Oh, how has it changed? Yeah. How is, I mean, um, obviously, I mean, this, this huge exposure therapy of getting on stage, it, it has to do something for us, right? It, it, what's it? Has there been a change for you and what is it? Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, it was pretty huge because I started performing much later. I mean, I started performing comedy in my 40s mm -hmm. and I started, I mean, I was performing other types of um, work before that in my 30s. But even even so, that was kind of a late, you know, I'm kind of a late bloomer in that respect. So for me, I have built it up so much in my mind that when I finally was able to perform, and especially with comedy was the biggest change because it's, you know, before I would um, like write and create a, some type of performance, but it would be like months in the making. So mm -hmm. it's not like I was performing five times a week, but with comedy, you tend to perform a lot. So I was, so once I got into, the, that was like maybe eight years ago when I started doing that. And that was the biggest change is that um, for one thing, I had built it up so much in my head that when I finally was able to do it, you know, that whole first year of doing comedy for me was like a huge relief mm -hmm. because not only was it not as terrifying as I thought, it was actually kind of almost a dream. It was mm -hmm. like people are so supportive. That was the surprising part mm -hmm. is, you know, I think I was thinking about like maybe the 80s or something where people will you know, there's a stand-up comic and people will just tear them apart and like throw beer cans at them or something. <laughs> and that doesn't really, I don't think that really exists. <laughs> I, I almost wish it did. did. I know. Uh, Me yeah. too. <laughs> if it was a dangerous profession, that would be so much cooler. That would be a fun well, themed show to do. Just like encourage the audience to be totally hostile to the comedians. Yeah. We the, the theme of this show is weapons. <laughs> <laughs> You're like a dunk tank. I have a friend <laughs> Um, used to do dunk tanks a lot. Oh, dunk um, tanks. But, like, <laughs> There's people that are just really into dunk tanks. Is that what you're saying, Christine? Dun dun dunk like, tanks is like stand-up comedy for like dads. Or dads or <laughs> Who's the guy with the dunk tank? Uncles. <laughs> he would do it at the state fair in Wisconsin. Oh, my God. Like, How popular would you be if you were the guy with the dunk tank? I can't, there's gotta be a, we've, this is a pitch. We got to put together a series idea around a guy, like two warring dunk tank guys. <laughs> like, you know, that, you know, I'm the dunk tank guy. This is my territory. Get your dunk tank out of here. It's a beautiful yeah. new dunk tank. Be, be a real shame if something were to happen to it. He's got the dunker 3000. <laughs> That's pretty good. So, yeah. Someone filled up my Absolutely. dunk tank with pig's blood last night. Oh my god! Oh my god! That's dark. Yeah. Dunk tanks. But but so then what I found was it was the total opposite. It was like audiences are supportive, and particularly comedians are really I have found to be super supportive. And yeah. So so then that got to be of like, you know, it was just really affirming in a lot of ways. Yeah. I hope it wasn't like a lie in terms of <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's Ben I think it's time we tell her it's you know this this joke yeah, has gone on long enough <laughs> <laughs>
on behalf of every comedian in Baltimore. We Truman showed you. Sorry. (laughs) Oops. It was a good run. But, But so I would say, but like I said, so I think the biggest change for me was all that positive affirmation I got and like the being able to talk about stuff and confront fears and, um, you know, connect with people and actually not feel alone. But then I do think it's sort of deceptive because, you know, talking about your worst fears and insecurities and whatnot on stage and getting affirmation of people like laughing and clapping is not quite the same as reality. (laughs) So it's, I do think it's good and it can have some positive effects, but it's also not like there's a, I feel like there's like, um, I don't want to say shallowness, but it's like, it sort of stays on one level. And then, so it's good. You get all this affirmation and overcome some fears on sort of like a certain level, but it's really not the same as like actually just being quiet with yourself, which I've been (laughs) like everyone doing a lot of the last nine months and just going like, okay, what is the actual basis of that fear or insecurity. Um, like I told you that the stories I was telling you last time about my shyness mm-hmm. and just really going back with a therapist and like really looking at it all and like really, really looking at it, not mm-hmm. just like writing a little joke about it and then telling it 30 times to a bunch of rooms of strangers, you know, mm-hmm. it's just not mm-hmm. the same. So, doing the work and all yeah. that. Yeah, I think that therapeutically, like, I think if purely therapeutically, it's like for me, it was bombing over and over (laughs) because there's a thing that like, it's like that exposure therapy where it's like, I'm okay. Everyone forgets like, no, you know what I mean? You can, you can bomb in front of a thousand people and just doesn't matter. It doesn't affect your life in a negative way, really. It just Uh, like, well, I don't think I've ever gotten to that point. (laughs) What I mean is like, I'm still able to do like nobody, you know what I mean? No one, no one's going to like take, take anything away from me. Right. You know I mean? Sometimes obviously you can bomb. It's of course there's times where it can be really (laughs) bad. But but just that ultimately it's like I'm okay I'm I'm still right, right. me it's like being able to get through I, it. yeah getting through it and just realizing that it's okay mm-hmm. and that kind of thing for me like in terms of exposure and, and touring touring's a big one just because it's like playing over and over and over again and you're hyper you get hyper socialized yeah and it it helps me not not get the social anxiety and just realize like oh nothing there's nothing to be afraid of because sure, sure. I meet a hundred different people every day and. And there, everything's fine. Everything's right, okay. Right. Now, Ben, <laughs> um, what's what's your number one when it comes to uh, mental health? Is is depression your your biggest challenge? Or it was always anxiety, and like I said, like moving into a new phase of my life where I'm trying to become, where I'm becoming more stable and mm-hmm. more, you know, settled. Mm-hmm. And I and I don't have the drive as much anymore to like prove myself. Sure. And, which I think was like what drove me and got me out of bed for like. A decade right it's like i'm a lot happier with myself i have a lot more confidence in myself but i'm but now it's like the the, the difficulty for me is getting that ambition so i'm more susceptible to depression now it's just sure. shifted so now that's yeah. more my i think my issue right or right. my struggle mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but yeah i don't i don't really have the performing bug as much anymore i think i get what i 
loved about performing is that moment when you are in when you're in the moment when you're just there and it's just flowing and people are laughing and there's no fear it's like that's that right that kind of heaven yeah feeling where you're just like in a totally fine yeah place and everything's okay right and it used to be that was the only time i could feel that way but then i realized i i also could get that directing i could get that feeling Uh uh-huh you know doing other things and and uh teaching and stuff like that so it it became less i think it became less important for me also just because it it does for me it's very disruptive lifestyle like it's very like we know it's like yes i get that feeling sometimes but it's like driving to dc i know i know an hour and a half waiting two hours to go on a bad mic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then dry and then like bombing and then driving and yeah on half home it's like what am i doing i just Getting made a like parking thirty dollars to <laughs> yeah to bomb in front of four people yeah you know, it's like that lifestyle was hard for me to with with my anxiety and stuff like it didn't really ultimately work for me and so i've i've shifted more towards other places where I get that thing. But every now and then I get that, you know, I get that bugger. I get an idea for a performance and I like, mm-hmm. I have to do mm-hmm. it. So, yeah. Oh so, yeah. So that's kind of my experience in terms of mental health with comedy and where it's taken me. Yeah. I have to admit, I, I was kind of ready for a break from performing with this whole pandemic. I, um, yeah. I, I know that I love stand up and I always want to do it. And even when I don't want to do it, I know that I really want to do it. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. like it kind of it kind of took like a negative turn for me a few years ago and like like for the for the first few years it was like amazing like oh my god I'm actually okay at this and I get to do this and people like yeah. it wow maybe my life isn't a complete waste um, and then it got like kind of negative and like just kind of ugly and um but yeah, i know like, okay okay wait my life is a complete waste right it, honestly <laughs> wait, wait, wait. honestly i did have to look at i had to look at that in in the sense that like it this kind of gave me a new reason to live and then when that's kind of threatened or challenged it's kind of like okay so what what do i have you know like what else yeah. am i gonna do um but uh i i do kind of feel like it, it was kind of good for me to take a break from it all to, to figure out what i want to do and what I need to do and it, you know it's like it's one of those things where I know I want to stay in it but it, it, it like you said I, I just I don't quite have the the drive to get out there and do it all the time mm-hmm. um but I always force myself to stay in the game no matter how bad it gets and ultimately it's mm-hmm. it's pretty freaking awesome you know it's like I, I still can't believe that I get to be a stand-up comedian that's so weird yeah. Whoever would have thought that? Yeah, I think it's I think it's an interesting art, art form, just in this, just in the sense that it's it's particularly American, and like uh, you know, like comes from like that. It's it doesn't exist in a lot of countries. Stand up, you know, it's really? like there's just something kind of like interesting about it. Yeah, hmm. I know. Like my friend Stav, when he goes to Greece, has to you know Stav has to tell hmm. uh, tell his family that he like I'm an actor. Like he they don't <laughs> understand what it is. You really, know? and and. Yeah, they they don't really have it as much. It's not as much of a thing. There are like, of course, obviously there's stand up in other countries, but it's like very, uh-huh. uh, like like you know, American. I don't know. Is this weird? Am I being ethnocentric? Am I oh, am I canceled? I was gonna say I actually just met this uh, Japanese comic in Chicago who just well I met him in October, but he had just come from touring Japan doing stand up. 
Mm-hmm. And they made a documentary about him. They just followed him on his tour because they don't really have wow. stand up. And so like, there's this guy doing this new thing. And so they made like a whole documentary about it, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Huh. Um, oh, by the way, Ben, we have a Stavros calendar at work. <laughs> yeah. That's I just hilarious. Found it in the office the other day. I was like, Oh, there's naked Stavros. I forgot about that. <laughs> Is he naked in all the pictures? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how it goes. Yeah, that's the deal. I, I photoshopped a few of them. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As always. Wow. One um, thing I was is like speaking of, um, like when I first moved here, I actually waited six hours, not even to do a mic, to audition to do oh a my mic. God. Oof. Yeah. Six hours. That's the longest I've ever waited. And I didn't even know. And then I was just like, oh, my God. So one thing that I've been kind of discovering during the pandemic is that it's brought me back to what I did for the 20 years preceding my life in comedy, which is just making my own work and like whatever Mm -hmm. that is, which is it's a lot of different things. It's like painting, video audio, writing, you know, different Mm -hmm. types of things. And what I want to try to hang on to, and I don't know if this will be possible when things reopen again, but I just want to try to stay centered in terms of just, I would rather make my own work, even if like five people see it, rather than like that thing of going out and trying to get the thing, the audition, the approval. Because it's, that's the part that I think kills me mm-hmm. inside. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The, like, oh, I'm making work and I've actually been, like, I'm pretty good at this. I've been doing it for mm-hmm. like 25 years, but like I have to audition and try to get, try to get to the next level or try to get the approval or the stamp. Yeah, right. And it's like, I don't know, the people, all the people I really admire, including you guys, are just kind of making their stuff. Mm-hmm. And then... Mm-hmm. you know, putting it out there in some form, which, I mean, it is a lot. It's a lot to like make everything and produce everything and then uh, promote everything and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately what, what I love about art and comedy is just the making it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the making it. So when I didn't know that I needed a break from performing, but when the whole first week I was so relieved in a way I had like 12 shows and I was like, as I had to cancel them all. And then I just was like, Oh, that's sad. <sighs> Thank God. I, yeah, was like, I hear you. I hear you. Because I was just like, Oh my God, this is, I've been like going and going and going nonstop. Right. Yeah. So much of it just felt like soul crushing because yeah. some of it was, amazing, but some of it was like five apathetic people. Yeah. Like, it's like, what am I doing? So I don't know. That's kind of one thing I'm sort of trying to, I really want to maybe just write it on my refrigerator or something. So I don't forget, like, mm-hmm. just like focus on my work and making things and then just like let go of all mm-hmm. the other control. And yeah. yeah. What I want to know what you guys think is, oh, sorry, go ahead, Mike. No, no, you're fine. I think we keep cutting you off. That's you're okay. the host, man. I mean, you know, I'm I don't sorry. Care. Nobody likes me anyway. Go ahead. 
<laughs> All right. Well, uh, in that case, uh, uh, I, I just want to, I'm just wondering if what, uh, like in, 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 with the idea of the comedy boom, uh, of like the recent, you know, past 10 years or whatever with social media and, and uh, you know, so many mics and so many comedians, but like, what, what is the pandemic going to do? Like after p- pandemic, you know, there's fewer venues. Like, I wonder if, it will kind of slow down that drive for people or if it will like go psycho crazy after and speed up because I don't know. Like, I feel like this is kind I don't know what I have a lot of things to say in terms of the pandemic. It's like, it's this cultural trauma and mm-hmm. it's very much about mental health right now. Like, because we're forced, we're forced to stay in our homes and mm-hmm. then essentially like be in our heads all the time and yeah, not like be able to like, see each other and like you know have all those little things that that are our mental health you know and and that idea of of comedy as therapy like will people like what is going to be are we going to become the people who like like how our parents or our grandparents that went through the great depression like would would keep every ziploc bag that they ever used like and wash them and like are we going to be that way but in a different you know what i mean like Like what's what's our equivalent we haven't What's yeah, we haven't had a war, a draft. We right. haven't had like a. We have had a recession, but this is like. Yeah, but know, it, yeah, I mean, the, the recession was the worst trauma we've gone through so far, and we all Cult, had like, money like to see the culturally. Dark Knight that summer. So it's you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like we've we've. Uh, I'm wondering like what will be our our thing, and then how uh, how performance and and the performance as a viable option will feel to people after the pandemic's over right. if they're like well this i mean i can't do this it'll it gets wiped out by by pandemic which could happen again like yeah i mean i i question whether this thing is gonna like speed up progress or set us back you know like it, it could be a mm-hmm. thing where all all the all the bullshit systems kind of collapse and we can just do, you know, what we love in a creative way and just find people via the internet and stuff that are into it and we don't have to follow the old formula. Or it might just, you know, knock everybody back 20 years and we have to start again from there. Yeah, yeah. It's all just Italian guys uh, doing comedy in clubs again for like... <laughs> Being like, my fucking wife, I'm ho- we're home all the time together now because of the pandemic. <laughs> Oh, I want to hit it. You know, that kind of shit. We're going back. Uh, One thing I've been hearing people say is that after the Spanish flu, there was the roaring 20s because everybody just went apeshit crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah true, like that, yeah. it just was like this decade of total decadence. Yeah. Um, which, but I don't know if I see that happening this time because, I mean, I don't understand what the difference is with the Spanish flu, but it's like, I think even when there's a vaccine and all and everybody, you know, or the majority of people are vaccinated, I think people are still going to be like trepidatious about mm-hmm. their contact and whatnot. One thing that I was thinking that I would like to see change is for me, it's like um, before the pandemic, there was sort of a similar thing happening with social media in that. Like, I hope it sort of is a wake up call in terms of like people having real relationships and real connections because like the whole 10 years before the pandemic, it was like more and more stuff had just was happening on social media Mm -hmm. and social media is, I mean, not to make a big like, 
you know, dissertation about it, but it's like, um, maybe it's because I'm a little bit older and I wasn't born into social media, but to me, that is so alienating. And I mean, like, it's kind of like a lot of things, like there's good parts about it and you can have like meaningful Mm -hmm. communications on social media, but for the most part, it's like puts a damper on like actual meaningful connection and conversation and stuff like that. So that's one thing is I hope it it's, there's a resurgence of like real <laughs> relationships and like communication, because I think that would be a good thing to come out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Oh yeah, we've been, cause it's been longer than nine months that people have basically been like not really communicating right. and just mm-hmm. screaming at each other on social media and like, not it's just not a um natural healthy real way to communicate you know Mm -hmm. and that to me is like it's almost like uh 10 or so years of like a similar effect of the pandemic which is that people are trapped and isolated and sort of screaming into their own echo chamber and that kind of thing so yeah yeah Yeah. well i hope but yeah i would be a total like upheaval and revolution of yeah. like everything else. <laughs> I mean, I do feel like in some ways the old system was kind of collapsing, you know, like you were saying, like the stand in line and hope you get picked kind of system and people like DIY artists are more able to flourish. And I, I kind of, my optimistic view of the future for artists is, is uh, just one where you, you just find the people that like your art, you know, and you just mm-hmm. cater to them and, you know, they, they, they pay you enough to get by because it, it is like right now there's the old system is collapsing, but there's no new system in place. But I'd like to think there will be at some point and um, not necessarily a system, but a, a method to survive off of your art. Yeah. And well, that's why I love Patreon. Mm, I just yeah, think it's yeah. so awesome is that like people can yeah, right. make a living off right. of things that normally wouldn't get. Yeah. But like, the they don't thing, have to go through a network, which is huge. Yeah, absolutely. But it does kind of seem like you still kind of have to be uh, picked up by somebody to get to that point right now to be able to make a living off Patreon. And mm-hmm. I hope in the future it's just you'll just be connected to you know, with algorithms and everything, you'll, you'll just find the people on the planet out of the 8 billion people that really like your art and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just, just live that way. Yeah. So hopefully this speeds things up. <clears throat> but uh, let's read another confession here from Alex Dodge, Columbus, Ohio. I have enormous amounts of social anxiety. Improv has given me a lot of really productive ways to be social, especially through listening skills and through comfortable feeling... And getting comfortable feeling vulnerable and being honest in the moment. Improv comedy, you guys. Who is familiar mm-hmm. with it? That makes sense to me because that's like the good the good aspects of performing in comedy is that it is for me, it's been one of the few things that brings me in a room with other people. I mean, prior to this, um, that and that's huge. Like I didn't, I hope I wasn't downplaying that, but um, yeah, I think that's why things like improv have become such like a booming thing that even if you're not necessarily like wanting a whole career in comedy, mm-hmm. tons of people do improv just for their own. Right. Yeah. It gets you out. It gets you with other people. It gets you like just being present in the moment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, where you're 
you're just like, you're not, yeah, you know, thinking about it. To me, improv is one of those things like, I don't really like to watch it, but I like <laughs> that people do it. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I think it's like, I think that is, I've never, that's been the one that I kind of never touch really is improv in that way, just because I think for me, it's scarier to bomb with seven people than bombing <laughs> alone. And I just think it's like some, everybody has a different, like that kind right. of, pre, like depending on others is like terrifying. <laughs> right. Well, that, that, this is kind of off the subject, but I, I do kind of feel like improv could use an update. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it could be a really funny formula, but it's kind of stuck in this traditional uh, kind of formula in, in, yeah. in people aren't taking a lot of risks with it. Yeah, it's it's there's very much like a Del Close cult. Of, right. Of right. Improv. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there you're, you're right. There is so many other kind of real like ways you could you could. Yeah, that's actually what I situation. what I kind of want to do. And another reason I wish people like you were still in Baltimore is I want to get together in improv, like a short form improv troupe. And I actually have, I'm actually working on it now. Um, that is uh, actually interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that, but I think going back to the question, like what that he, like the, I think the word that is really important there is vulnerability. Like mm-hmm. the idea of letting your guard down you know, it's like, I think part of what we're talking about in terms of comedy therapy is like, like letting your guard down is so powerful because it's, it's an act of strength, you know, like, like to be like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not even worried. Like, I'm not afraid. Mm-hmm. I can just be open to, to the situation and, and to what's going on. And it feels good because you actually feel like genuine connection. Sure with the people around you, but it's hard to get to that point. Like we kind of have to be, uh, that kind of has to be pride out mm-hmm, of us mm-hmm. in, in something. And I think that that, that's like what I'm saying, what the, the moments that I love about comedy are those feelings of, of that kind of complete safety in the moment mm-hmm. where your, your guard is down. Everyone in the room is having a good time and you're having a good time with them. And you feel like you can, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. You're well, I will tell um, you this. I don't know if I've, quite reached that point for more than a few seconds at a time like when i started stand up i was so incredibly anxious about it that i I pretty much had to build my character around that anxiety on stage Mm -hmm. and it's certainly lessened over the years but i'm still not anywhere close to being fearless on stage and i you know i try to look at it optimistically you know it means that as I still have a lot of room to grow and I'll be, I become a better comedian as I get more comfortable. So I got a lot of improving that I can do in the future, but I, it's, I rarely, like when I am in that moment that you were just speaking of, uh, where, you know, it's, it feels fearless and everybody's into it. I immediately start thinking about it and like the anxiety comes <laughs> Psych back. Psych yourself out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 What about you, Chris? I mean, well, you do improv. Do you do you get that same feeling? Absolutely. When and and when I am improv. doing improv, most of the time I'm not relaxed. I am in a state of panic. I'm I'm acting around that, you know. And I can find some value in that, you know. But I'm not. I don't think I'm anywhere close to my potential. If I could ever get to a place where I'm just cool well, on stage and having fun. Maybe you should try what we've de- what we've designated as the third best medicine: heroin. <laughs> because med- maybe medicine or laughter is not working, so you got. Uh, well, I will tell you this, Ben. I, <laughs> I am. I am gonna increase my depression and anxiety medication and see 
I mean, mainly for myself, but I also do kind of want to see yeah. how that's going to affect my performance. Definitely. What do you think of that, Christine? Well, it's that when um, he mentioned vulnerability, I was thinking about <laughs> um, how, especially when I first started doing comedy, my goal was to be as vulnerable as possible. And I don't know if I was even, I mean, in retrospect, I'm sort of questioning my own motives because, um, but the first joke I ever wrote was some, now it seems really absurd, but it was some joke where I sort of like um, talk about going to Starbucks and, and describing this like really complicated Frappuccino order. And then the, <laughs> the punchline is just that like, while I was waiting for my drink, I realized that I don't like myself very much. Yeah, that's a great and one. I, <laughs> in retrospect, it's, it doesn't even sound like very much of a joke. So I'm surprised. It sounds great. No, I did love it, it for so long. But <laughs> it was really important to always start my set that way because <laughs> because of that fear that you were talking about, Mike. And I was like, well if they're going to attack me or something like I want to, I just want to get it front and center. Right. I'm right so there with you people. Off. Like, don't worry. I hate myself. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I, We're united I on that. Always, and yeah. there's nothing. I had some pretty surreal experiences because I, I did that joke a couple of times to crowds of like, you know, 200 or so people in some little town in the middle of, nowhere where nobody knows me at like a festival and I would come out and then I would just say it and just wait and the people's reactions would be so strange but for me it was my way of just like I don't know what like getting it out of the way and mm -hmm. just look I'm gonna be I'm sort of gonna put it all on the line and you can all either hate me mm -hmm. or not and and I found that in a weird way 90 probably about 90 percent of the time it would work in that, like, it would really disarm people and they would, and then they would just mm -hmm. kind of be on my side, maybe even a little protective. But I did, I've, I did a lot of that. I tried to play with vulnerability a lot mm -hmm. in performance. And mm -hmm. for me, that was, my goal was like, even more than like make people laugh was be the most real and vulnerable you can be, which of course is not, I mean, there's always a little bit of a persona going sure. on. So so there's always, mm -hmm. you always have a little bit of a protection, but I would try to like, I have several sort of like um, jokes and ways where I would like really make eye contact with people in the audience and then be really, just tell them like these sort of excruciatingly vulnerable things and just sort of like leave it up to them. Like I'm going right. to do and you're either, because I just sort of thought, isn't that what it all is about anyway? So like, I could skirt around it by trying to come out with some kind of bravado and like, see, I'm really funny and I made you laugh. Or, or I could just like go right into the, I, I sort of felt like it was like emotionally stage diving, if you know what I mean. Like, I'm just going to like throw myself on you and you're either going to like carry me and support me or not. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, <laughs> but the, what, what I've, what that brings up for me is like uh, superstitiousness. Like I, f I find comedy to be so superstitious. Like I have to start with this joke. I have, you know what I mean? I have to do this. Like 
like coming up with these things where you're like, I have to do this every time or like, you know, I would be so superstitious about comedy. Like if I'm not nervous before I go out, I will do bad. So if I'm, if I'm relaxed, like I have to, I would have to get there and be like, okay, I'm got to get nervous. Got to get nervous. Got to get like, <laughs> try to psych myself into being nervous or else I was like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to fuck it up if I'm too relaxed. You know what I mean? Right. It's just like these weird, like being like, okay, does that mean I'm going to, it's just yeah. like, the, we make the all these connections. That, that that, would, that, yeah. 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 Like start, I have, to, I'm going to start with this and I'm going to do this and then, you know what I mean? And like, or I, I can never do this joke again. Cause it bombed so bad. Oh yeah. I threw away stuff for years because it didn't do well at some stupid open mic, you know, and then bring yeah. it back later with a little bit of confidence. Or and, uh, conversely, you can hold on to something for years cause it did good once and then never. Did <laughs> absolutely. Again. Like, absolutely. I know it's good. Right. That was good. <laughs> the first to me with comedy is when you see somebody who's who has that thing i'm actually thinking about somebody specific when i say this that where it seems like they're about to go off the rails and then and you're like and it's like really uncomfortable in a good way it's like exciting and you don't know where they're going and then you see them perform again and they actually do almost the it's not that like you almost think that they were just kind of winging mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. but then you mm -hmm. see them do it again and again. And it's actually that like that it's written. Right. But right. It feels like it's. Yeah. That's the, the person I'm thinking of Ben is Megan Stalter. Oh yeah. I mean, when I first saw her, I was like, Oh my God, this is really like, this could really crash and burn. Yeah. The best. And then it was just like, totally, it was like one of the best things I ever saw. And I thought, oh, God, she must just be, like, trying to figure some stuff out. And then I saw her again and realized, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she is kind of incredible in that way. Her commitment to a character that she does is, like, on such a level that you're like, what is real right now? <laughs> what right. is happening? Right. How are you doing this? Yeah. <laughs> it was, like, the closest, maybe the closest thing I've seen to sort of, like, an Andy Kaufman type of thing where – when I was a kid, I would watch Andy Kaufman and I would be so worried about him because I was like, this guy, they keep letting him on TV. He doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> he didn't do that thing Talk. where he'd cry. And I'd be like, oh no, everybody's going to hate him and he's going to cry. And like, somebody needs to like help him. And I didn't understand. Like, That's the best thing I've ever heard that you, that I never thought, <laughs> think adorable. about the people with Andy, Co the kids with Andy Coffin. They're like, Oh no, you can do it. You can do it, sir. <laughs> oh my better. God. I was, it was like really terrifying. And to look back on that, I'm just like, Oh my God, what a fucking genius now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, and that's a, the similar. Yeah, you're right. Made me, it reminded me of that feeling where I was like, uh Oh, uh Oh, this lady doesn't know what she's doing. And then it was like, oh, wait, she knows exactly what she's doing. You know? uh -huh, uh -huh. But and, and that's the weird feeling is that she creates a situation that, yeah, like you're saying, feels like it's it's truly awkward in a way that it's not supposed to be. But, it re but she's kind of doing a trick on you with that. Right. It's like really something very interesting about it. Yeah. But also I was having like seen you guys on tour and – and then just seen your work a ton for years. I feel like uh, the Wham City has also got elements of, it's kind of like a new, really good form of improv because, I mean, I know that you guys write and, mm -hmm. and plan and stuff, but seeing you do, especially when we were on tour and seeing the same thing many times, there's so much play going on. I mean, you mm -hmm. would 
every night you guys would be trying something totally different with yeah. it. And really, it really depended on the audience. Yeah. A lot of audience stuff. And yeah. Every night we would go in a totally different direction. It was yeah. like almost like a completely different show every night. Yeah, we definitely found out that when you're when we're touring stuff, we have to leave, we have to write and leave room for that kind of fun, or otherwise we get bored and then it gets bad. Like mm -hmm. th there'll be this real like dip at once after like maybe the eighth show where we've kind of figured everything out and we're bored, and then we're just kind of like whatever. So it's like it's like leaving in that that ability to keep searching and yeah, keep creating new, new and like interesting moments or, um, but yeah, I, I definitely, uh, I think that all good comedy has to have a little bit of improv, like a tiny bit somewhere, you know, like just some aspect that could come out of the moment or at least the feeling of, of like this person's in the room with us right now. They're, you know, that, that they're responding to what's going on. Right, yeah. Um, and for all my vulnerability that I was just talking about, everything I do is scripted, you know, and I very rarely go off script. So it's like I'm starting to think about just different w ways mm. to explore that because it can yeah. get a little too. Yeah, yeah. yeah I uh, I really want to. I when I, when we come back, I really want to start doing more crowd work and being spontaneous. But I don't want to do it in the traditional way. I want to take weird alternative comedy and turn it into crowd work comedy and see where that goes. And I don't know of, of many comedians. It seems like, you know, crowd work comedians kind of just do the same things, you know, they kind of have like the same attitude and interaction. Yeah. I want to make it weird, but improvisational. Mm hmm. Yeah. I think that that's a, I think that that's a, a, a great uh, kind of starting point of like intention. Like, yeah. Because I do like I've seen some amazing crowd work people, but there is a formula after a while right, that they figure right. out. Yeah, you know? which is okay. Like, th like but, referencing this, right, yeah, making right. like making fun of a person this way or whatever. Yeah. It like works. One of the best crowd work people I've ever seen in my life, Bonnie McFarlane. Huh? Have you seen ever seen her? She comes yeah. through Baltimore every now and then, but she's like I never I, I knew she was like funny, but like I never seen someone be so charming and work. Uh, a room so like comfortably and awesome. like perfectly as she That's, did. That would was, be my ideal yeah, to get amazing. there. And I think it's going to take years and years, but I would love to be in that place where every night is like a new show, you know, not that, I mean, I'll always love yeah. to write bits. Um, but it, yeah. how, how fun would that be to just be able to, to show up at a new venue and just know that you can improvise confidently yeah, the whole thing, you know, it, it feels very powerful. The only person that I can think of that does it on a truly like alt comedy way that I can think of right now is mm -hmm. Kate Berlant. When yeah. I've seen her, she can, she can like make weird, uh, you know, comedy or like weird audience interactions, like fly a little bit, which nice. is hard. Cool. I'll have to check her out. I've yeah. never, I'm a huge fan of hers, but I've never seen her live. So I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah. I've really been like sitting and thinking about how to do like what place in my mind would I need to go to, to be able to do that. You know what I mean? To be like, to mm -hmm. be able to be confident, you know, and it's, and it's like, is that something I can learn or is it just a, a thing that people either have or they don't, you know? But uh, I that's, think you can learn it. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. Um, 
you know, the, the big question, of course, at the beginning of comedy for me was like, am I going to get funnier or is it always going to be this same kind of struggle? <laughs> yeah, you know? that's the fear. Yeah. And, and, it, and I think it's an unequivocal yes, you do get funnier. You know, like you become more Definitely. instinctual and you, you can filter stuff more in your head, you know, yeah. it, it just kind of comes together better over time. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. We have one last one from Jake Lazier, Baltimore, Maryland. Jake Lazier didn't leave Baltimore, Maryland, Ben and Christine. Way to go, Jake. Uh, proud of you, man. <laughs> uh, having something to work towards in four keeping me busy is really helpful with anxiety plus comedy has some really quick validation slash gratification compared to some other things so that helps too that is very true i mean so many art projects we work on they take months or years Mm -hmm. and then we put it out there and we might get a little bit of a response but with comedy you know it's you show up and 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 most of the time you're going to get at least a little something yeah that's the addictive part of it you know, is the validation. I feel mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. absolutely that Instagram. Like I, I found that like in in Christine and I are similar in this way, where we both do video projects and you know, kind of co- come at comedy from like that same kind of artistic place. I think mm-hmm. like, but we do both of those things, and that like I always found that like video or film was this really really difficult, like extremely process oriented thing. And then when you release, when I would release a video or something. I, I wouldn't feel good. I would feel like anxious all day. Right. Like, oh God, are people watching. Like it wouldn't feel like, like when you're showing it in a room, it's a much different experience. But that with comedy, there was this, it was a complete opposite. There was no pre-production really. It's just like, come up with something, think of, think about it, and then go up and do it and immediately see in the moment people reacting to what you thought of or what you created and that they were such a great balance to each other Yeah, as art, as like things that, you know, we, would do and that I was like I really it's there's something so important about being in the room if it's showing a film or performing or something and getting that that energy otherwise it's like I don't know I don't know I don't I don't think I could just do one mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Christine do you get that uh, gratification I get I get different types of gratification depending on the medium Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, then I agree that it's, there's some really tedious aspects and that's actually why I started doing stand up was because I, prior to that, I had been doing film and video for a long time and it, it's, yeah, I mean, depending on what you're trying to do with it, it can be really tedious and labor intensive. So the, just going out where you don't need anything except yourself, you right. know, is such a, a relief and then also it's an exciting challenge because there's so many i mean there's just like with any medium there's like infinite ways that you can think of playing with it Mm -hmm. you know um which i you know i kind of miss that aspect of it um now though i'm trying to think of doing that more with like film and video like i'm doing some video i have a bunch of video projects that i'm starting now that are where i'm trying to like keep it really simple, you know, as far as all the tech stuff. I mean, not so simple as I can't get myself to the point of just like turning on my iPhone and performing and then putting it right out on like whatever TikTok or whatever. I, for some reason, I can't, I have to have something in between me and that, like that's, that's too direct and scary for me. Um, one thing that I wanted, could I ask Ben a question? One thing that I was wondering that's sort of for t- <laughs> is no. like, 
just, I don't want to get off the just topic, um, but like as moving from Baltimore to LA, I mean, for one thing, moving anywhere, I find that for me, I had to like re- completely reinvent myself. Mm-hmm. So it's weird because it's like six months into that reinventing process, the pandemic happened. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Literally everybody is reinventing themselves, but also I, even my six months of reinventing got wiped out, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and for me, like I've moved about, I've moved to like five new cities in my life. Yeah. This is, I think, the fifth time I've reinvented myself completely. And Mm -hmm. I find, you know, I did it in my 20s, my 30s, my 40s, and now I'm 50. So every, I would say also every age has its own, like, challenges with that. Of course, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm telling you, like, maybe don't move when you're 50. Try to stay put because, I I don't know, it's been, like, the most brutal year of my life in a particular oh no yeah it's been hard but what i was wondering about you is i think moving in general is hard and absolutely but you also had the benefit of moving with like a huge art and comedy community yeah also are kind of in the belly of the beast with art and comedy and film so like what has that been like well there's no it's not, it's not simple in that sense, because it's like, I was, I was in Baltimore for 10 years and I was very ready to, to go. But at the same time, like I had been working with the same people for that long and, and things, certain things needed to, like certain dynamics needed to change certain collaborations I wasn't sure about. And, and, but like one, I did have other people moving with me, which was extremely, makes it extremely different because everybody's kind of making connections and stuff. But at the same time, I wasn't sure. Nothing really felt right. I didn't really quite feel I was ready to leave Baltimore. I don't know if I was ready for LA, blah, blah, blah. So it was like, there was a lot of transition. And at the same time, I went there knowing that like, one, I love the city, but I, I also knew that this, that it's like, I have to see this out. I have to go here and I have to I don't really know of another place I want to be. So I I came in with a good attitude. It's been, it's definitely been hard, but also I have the, like I said, where I'm like not trying, not as ambitious as I was. Like, I think if I had been in my twenties and I moved here, I would have just absolutely drowned. Like I would have been much more anxious all the time about like, oh, these people are so much better. And so further, so much further ahead. And these people, blah, blah, blah. But having been able to have the exposure to the industry kind of already and like, you know, you you get a little jaded where you're like, it's not one, it's, it's like the people who get ahead are not better. The people who, you know, are successful are not better. And it just, it's like, and it just like getting that confidence in myself and having that it's like, I've actually, I really love it here. Like I really love it. It was the right thing for me but it was not easy. And it's like, just because life isn't easy and because there's always transition and stuff. But I think, I think moving is, is like a traumatic event. Like, it's like, you have to recreate every connection in your life. You have to, you know, it's a constant, uh, it's just, it's, it's re it is really difficult in figuring out like what I want to do here. And my, my only antidote to it is like, I just don't care. Like I, I'm, I want to do what I want to do and I want to keep creating work that, fits into my life and feels good and like is 
You know what I mean? Like I'm bringing my gifts to it, but I don't care anymore if it's popular. I don't care mm-hmm. anymore if it's, if it's the best thing. So that takes a lot of the heat off for me because it is a city where if you like are worrying about what that person's doing or what other people are doing, you'll die <laughs> because there's <laughs> always, everybody you. has a special, everybody has a pilot, right. everybody's doing something great, you know? And so it's like, but it's, it's a war of attrition. It's just who lasts longer, who can handle it. <laughs> and I just, I'm like, I don't care. It doesn't matter who, who's popular right now. It won't be popular in a week. It just, you know, it just like, it's, you can't really worry about it, but go ahead, Mike. What were you saying? Oh, I wasn't saying anything. I don't think was I. That's right. I am now the host. <laughs> I, <laughs> I have defeated. Well, Mike. Ben, thanks for having me on. Hey, man, no problem. You were great. Um, I'd love to come back sometime. <laughs> Anytime, dude. Hey, you know, let me actually check the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> you, but just to follow up on that, do you feel like you have a good mental health support system, or that you've created? Yeah, I think that I think that, like I said, part of moving away from focusing my entire life on my career meant for me focusing on people that are around me that like, you know what I mean? Like, and I think that that was harder for me before to like create that space in my life. And now I realize that that's the most important thing is like mm-hmm. people in connection. And so I, I try to invest like in the people around me who like give back. And so it, it's a little bit easier for me. Like everything gets a little bit easier, I think. Um, and then of course new challenges come, but it's like, I'm, I'm finding that, yeah, that it's like extremely, there's, I mean, the pandemic's so stressful. It's like, you can't have a good time. <laughs> like no <laughs> one's doing well, except for Jeff Bezos and, you know, other billionaires, but it's like, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's just really, it's, it's LA is a crazy place to be for that. I mean, and there's other, there's always, it's just a mix. It's like such a mix. There's good things and bad things that come from it, but it's like, my goal is just to keep, to keep like, being more empowered in myself and not as dependent on other people for anything. That's why, that's why we're talking about Patreon and stuff like that stuff excites me. Yeah. Not because I don't think I could actually make a living off of it, but, but the fact that people can, I bet you could is, is radical. Yeah. You know, I like Twitch because of that. Like I just like, I love places where you can directly support creators that you like and it's not, none of it's perfect, but I love it because it's so empowering and it, you get to see people, creating something without, you know, who want to be creating it without the, you know, interference from producers in the industry, you know, Mm -hmm. and what Mm -hmm. they think will sell. They're just doing their thing. So it's like that to me is radical. And that's like the most exciting thing. But as but I'm so collaborative, it's like I need I also just need stability and a a steady income these days because I've been doing freelance for like 15 years and Mm -hmm. I can't do it anymore. (laughs) <laughs> i'll tell you what you do ben if you're in la you go down to where those people put their hands in the cement and you put your hands in one that you admire and then you're good from then on i think and that's like a blessing that's the that's the blessing that I'll, i think so i'll receive yeah i need a good blessing honestly good good are you ordained or could you i am not me? uh i could bless you but uh i, I gotta warn you it's uh, <laughs> It is not pretty. All right. You guys, this has been an excellent podcast. Ben O'Brien, thank you so much. Absolutely. And, w- and where can people find you again? Do you have, you have a Twitter? Uh, Do you have an Insta? I've got Twitter. I've got Instagram. All uh, And I've been streaming on Twitch. So, But all, all of my handles are Ben F. O'Brien. Uh, right. Join the Ben Folution. So. <laughs>
right. Uh, and Christine Ferreira, where can we find you? Patreon. I have a Patreon. Oh, yeah. I'm a supporter of your Patreon. Yeah. Oh, awesome. I got to get me one of them. Yeah, I support all my friends' Patreons because cool. that's what we must do Sure, as, as friends and artists. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much, guys. It's been a great episode, and uh, I look forward to having you both back at some point. And yeah. hang in there, and we will see everyone on the next episode of The Confessional.